we all genuinely believe we've got like a responsibility to just do things in a way, learn and fail, and then hopefully like spread the message of how we've done things so the rest of the industry can can kind of feel safe in also going on that journey. You know, feel safe turning down briefs, feel safe challenging briefs, um, you know, feel like there's a moral responsibility that, you know, when you do a film shoot, you've, you've got to do it with, with with the footprint of that film shoot in mind. Um, when you go and put out communications, you've got to realise that those platforms have got footprints. Um, you know, th there's, there's a number of different initiatives that ultimately we feel like we have to do to hopefully change the industry going forward. Because look, the communications industry is, is the problem. It has been the problem, but it can also be the solution. I'm Johnny Prest, and this is the Brand Master Flash Podcast. Your brand is your community. It's their instinctive connectedness with you in their hearts and minds. This podcast explores how to define and deliver a brand strategy that is true to who you really are. It will inspire your team, connect you with your customers, and make a positive difference. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, it's Johnny here. Welcome to the Brand Master Flash podcast. I'm going to start this show today with a quote. What we do in the next 10 years will profoundly impact the next few thousand. There is no longer a scientific challenge. It is a communications challenge. Now you might know this quote is from Sir David Attenborough. So let's talk about climate change. We know the science. We're working on the technology and we have a roadmap to figure out what needs to be done. So why is the climate challenge so big and so audacious? And why is it in a lot of people's eyes, it seems unobtainable? So let's talk about communications. We need to rally the troops. We need to inspire people. We need to motivate people for positive behavior change. And we also need bags and bags of positive energy. So I had the opportunity to talk to someone who has lots of those characteristics. He motivates people, he inspires change, and he has tons and tons of positive energy. And that person is Joss Ford. He is the founder of the creative agency Enviral. So Enviral, they work with some incredible companies and organizations and charities. He works with Greenpeace and Ecology and Good Energy. And Joss believes that change can happen in big business. And he believes that businesses can be a force for good and they can think differently and have sustainability in the heart of everything that they do. So we talked about all things planet and creativity um, and we talk, actually talked about his wedding and how he decarbonized his own wedding. Now, I think you're going to really, really enjoy this, this show. If you're into your creativity, if you're into design and you're into the environment and the planet, then this show will hopefully really inspire you. Enjoy. Joss, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing? Thank you. Um, I'm very good, although I'm really jealous of your shirt and I want to know where you got it from. This is actually bought um, off Vinted. It's a Lazy Oaf shirt. Um, yeah. It's about five sizes too big for me, but <laughs> I kind of just think I just I pull it off because it's 90s. But I do get a lot of compliments on this shirt. It's my it's my partner, Natalie. She dresses me. So I've her to thank for that. Oh, I need to get in touch with her then. Get some yeah, style, yeah. style recommendations. She'll happily dress you, no problem. But it, you will be <laughs> swamped in clothing and you'll be walking around like cousin it, but not hair with clothes. 
Cool. I'd, I'd like to, do you know what? I'd like to start this conversation down memory lane, actually, because mm-hmm. so many people who know you and see you and are aware of your work, they might not be familiar with your journey and where you've come from. And I find that there's so much interest in in finding out about someone like yourself's mm-hmm. past. So let's let's talk about the journey to Enviral. And where did your quest for sustainable communications, where do you think that started? It's such, mate, it's, a, it's such an interesting um, question because only a few weeks ago I was talking with this, some of the Enviral team, and it, I just unlocked a complete whole level to the journey. And um, and really it started when I was about eight and I got totally into skateboarding, um, like fully immersed by skateboarding and extreme sports and um and you know fast forward to when i was 16 i fell in love with renewable energy i just was the lame guy that thought that powering a light bulb from the sun was a cool thing (laughs) um and then fast forward again when um yeah i was i remember sitting in a in a in in a little uh, classroom with somebody uh, called Graham Cutts, who I thank to this day every every minute when I can. Um, he was like, "Look, you're not very clever. Um, you're not very sporty. Um, you wish you were a good musician, but what do you want to do with your life now? Like, are you going to do the whole university thing, or are you not? And um, you've clearly got a lot of passions and." you know, where are you going to hone it? And um, and we actually found a course together called Environment and Business, which merged my two passions. I was quite entrepreneurial, um, although I didn't know it, didn't even know what that word meant. Um, and I was really, really deeply into nature. Um, and, and that really came from me being fortunate enough to grow up in a little county in the UK called Herefordshire, a very rural county, um and uh you know it's it's kind of a little bit um delayed in it's not most forward thinking county in the uk but it's got some ridiculously amazing countryside and i um i got myself into uh this environment and business course i didn't get the grades um and uh, i managed to blag my way in um went to every single lecture every single one which is nuts i loved it so much and um, and really saw for the first time how the environment and business can operate together and how they should operate together. And ultimately, um, you, you know, the core principles of business as well as sustainability. And so that's the kind of like the, the journey um, to me getting into kind of business and sustainability and communications. Um, but really, there were like blocks in that, which were like the game changing moments. So I. When I was eight, I realized that subcultures can create community. Super important for any brand. When I was uh, 16, I realized that innovation and tech can change the world. Um, And you don't have to use really heavily polluting and uh, high carbon uh, industries to be successful and to create uh, a world that actually works. And um, and, and then basically when I was about 18, uh, I was re- realizing that really, really big brands, um, which were very different to the subculture brands that I fell in love with when I was about eight years old, like the, the vans of the world, um, these core skate brands, these core extreme sports brands, they had huge, huge budgets, but the messaging was just like, it just felt so just fluffy, you know? But, you know, vice versa, you have these really small core creative community focused brands that didn't have big budgets at all but they were like going global because of their purpose their purpose around like extreme sports and you know getting people together and having a good time and pushing the boundaries um of 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 those little subcultures whether it's in music or whether it's in things like skateboarding and this all this this full journey and experience molded into this real frustration, this problem that we're still trying to fight every single day today, which is that 
there are brilliant brands in the world who are doing brilliant things, like genuinely innovating their industries. But because they're doing that, they shouldn't be experts in Facebook pixel marketing or video content creation or graphic design. They should be focused on their like community business models or the fact that they're creating an innovative packaging solution. And so I was kind of in this mentality of like, well, you know, what if I could use storytelling and brand communications to help these really, really great organizations scale and and basically gain competitive advantage so they change their whole industries and um and that's that's basically where i came up with Enviral. second year of university hung over in a lecture theater 15 minutes into the lecture i wanted to turn great organizations of environmental messages viral and viral by the end of the lecture the the, the, the lecture i kind of um, registered the web domain name start sketching out logos similar to what it is today. Um, and the journey really kicked off there, but it really stems from love of nature from where I grew up and an imagination that I kind of was fortunate enough to have through just spending time in nature, subcultures um, from, from skate brands and, and, and music, um, the, 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 the realization that innovation and, and things like renewable energy are the future. And then a frustration at big brands. <laughs> and um, yeah, that's kind of where we've we've grown from there. You've just painted a really lovely picture in terms of like how your journey and your map. And it it's almost not like episodical. It's almost like a Venn diagram of, and it's almost mm. similar to what you've just described as like Ikigai in terms of like your flow and and your creativity that you've you've taken your past and something that you care about, you know, Hereford and being in the countryside and being that connection with nature, you know, things that you love, the music, the fashion, the skateboarding, mm-hmm. um, and then taking what you're good at, you know, you, you went onto a course and, and you went onto something that you connected with and you studied at and you didn't miss a lecture. And then that fourth of the icky guy is what the world needs right now. And we need big businesses, people society communities to come together to work together uh, mm. and change the way that we're living and behaving for the you know for the future and the future of, of of all generations so that i think when when that venn diagram does come together i think great things happen and i think mm-hmm. Enviral is testament to that venn diagram um you know if we were to add another bit in there is obviously your team you know you and your team together um have come together to create something that's quite special um so yeah i mean they're they're the the people are really really making the the, the change happen and um and and our clients as well you know i I think that um you know although you know as an agency we, we we help push our clients forward as much as possible as well as you know we we have a God, this, this is going to sound really pretty lame, but like we all genuinely believe we've got like a responsibility to just do things in a way, learn and fail, and then hopefully like spread the message of how we've done things so the rest of the industry can can, can kind of feel safe in also going in on that journey. You know, feel safe turning down briefs, feel safe challenging briefs, um, you know, f- feel like there's a moral responsibility that, you know, when you do a film shoot, you've you've got to do it with with, with the footprint of that film shoot in mind. Um, when you go and put out communications, you've got to realise that those platforms have got footprints. Um, you know, th- there's, there's a number of different initiatives that ultimately we feel like we have to do to hopefully change the industry going forward. Because look, the communications industry is is the problem. It has been a problem, but it can also be the solution. And I'm so passionate about that. I'm so passionate that business is the vehicle for mass change. And um, and we're seeing it, right? We're, we're literally seeing it day by day. Like when I joined that, that course in environment and business, there were two universities in the country which merged both business studies and, and, and environmental studies. That's like mad, right? When the world is now just all encompassed by it. Um, mm. So movements happen and, and, and creativity is at the heart of that creativity is what connects and inspires um and it's oh it's just so amazing to see creatives of all different avenues and angles 
you know, really pushing the message and then ultimately then pushing the, the movement forward. It's slightly worrying in some ways that, you know, it's taken this long for education to catch up that we're now really only, say, what, in the last, I'll say, decade, looking at combining business and business theory with environmental studies and the environmental impact. You know, we've we've known the, the problems globally for such a long time, and it's only now that we're educating in these areas. So, I, I think there needs to be rapid change in in education, not just from a, a higher education, but, you know, all the way through. And I know there are lots of schools and institutes now that are catching up, but um, but there's still a lot of work to be done. Uh, what's interesting there that you mentioned about like and, and I find this fascinating and um, and inspiring at the same time that you're thinking of carbon in everything that you do, you know, even from your, your the way that you work, your clients, the way that you shoot, the way that you get creative. So actually, I'm going to just jump straight in here now and talk about your wedding because we spoke <laughs> about this just before the conversation. And I, and I, I had a conversation with um, the University of Derby who've been doing loads of work in decarbonizing events. And one of the main areas that they've been looking at is decarbonizing weddings. So mm -hmm. I, I, I want to jump straight back in what we're talking about. So talk, talk me through your wedding and, and how you approached your wedding from an enviral kind of perspective. Yeah. Oh, you know, so first of all, Phil, feel like there's an eternal amount of sunshine on me at the moment i feel very blessed um had a had a really brilliant wedding a couple of weeks ago not gonna lie there's a hell of a lot of, of planning in there um <laughs> and uh juggling a business and um yeah tr trying to do things like kick off a, a podcast and I, I mean i was supposed to be running the london marathon two weeks afterwards but I've, i deferred that until april because of an injury um, it, it's been a busy few months, I'm not going to lie. Um, but yeah, look, like it's, it's not just enviral that, you know, is the, is the route to me living and, and breathing a sustainability, um, focused life. And I think the, the wedding was something that was really interesting because they are just like, <laughs> we, we actually threw a festival, um, and um, yeah, I love I love festivals. That's where I have the, my sense of escapism uh, in and outside of work. And um, and so we put on a festival, but we're like, oh, how can we make sure that we do this in a way which I guess practices what practices what we preach? Um, look, we certainly weren't perfect at all, but the key things for weddings um, would be the travel from from all of our guests, um, the, uh, the 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 fact that um we have like food and drink and suppliers um and then what the actual structure is of of, of the actual build and um and how it's uh, and how the energy is um is it, and the electricity is is powering it so we didn't have a generator didn't have a diesel generator we actually um went into the the mains officially <laughs> using an official person um not just tapping it illegally um we um uh, which you know ultimately still comes from a, a fuel mix um but it wasn't you know a diesel generator on site um we had like a little sign and a little book um for everyone to list down where they've come from how they've got there unfortunately there was train strikes and uh, the train strikes did get um cancelled uh like a couple of days before the actual wedding actually because of the, the queen's um funeral um but because of that everyone kind of still um looked at like car sharing and stuff like that there's still quite a fair few cars that, that that drove down from loads of different places um and uh yeah we didn't serve meat and um and on top of that the cool thing was that the stage we called it we called it the Colosseum, um was was made out of scrap wood and wood that was was actually um my, my it was the host of it well, it was hosted at my parents uh, place and she's got wood that's been collected over years and years and years so in the the grand sum of the build of the uh of the stage with my six mates um who came and helped me build it was 27 pounds uh because of screw fixes uh screw um receipt and uh oh god it was such a good party it was amazing loved it lived every minute of it. i wish i could just live and breathe it constantly it was awesome Oh, cool. You, and you you talked about the, the meat thing and I and I I've loads of respect there because I, I've been to events, 
I've been to loads of sustainability events recently, and there's so much controversy around should or shouldn't we serve me? And it, and it all they and a lot of the times they do serve me. And I don't even know at cop at the cop events they still serve me. And and it's really annoying in a lot of respects because there is so much incredible veggie and vegan food out there. Yeah, where exactly. If you if you look if you serve the right food and you give it a little bit of love, you know, get the right chefs in who know how to cook veggie food who do it for a living. People won't even mention it on the day. They don't even say anything because the food's that good. They'll only mention yeah. it. If you went to an event that I went to the other day that decided not to have meat and they only serve cheese sandwiches and crisps, like that's <laughs> obviously going to rile people up, you know, cheese sandwiches and crisps. But no, I, I think it sounds amazing. It sounds what you did. And, I I, think- and, I, and, I, and like you said, you practice what you preach. You know, you can't go out every single day and do the work that you do and then go and have a wedding and just, you know, be wasteful <laughs> and, and do all the things that you that you that you know that you're fighting for so no that sounds amazing uh, as, really cool. as, as i said i grew up in in herefordshire and um yeah you know re- really really fortunate to, to live there love that place and uh really fortunate enough to have um the wedding there but the 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 the, the county symbol of of hereford and probably the most famous thing about hereford is hereford cattle um and look my, i absolutely love cows i think that they're just such gorgeous animals um i, I don't obviously personally eat um uh meat but it's it is a pretty big given that you go to an event in hereford uh or herefordshire and you would be served a steak um i would note that we did serve some fish like that that was um that was on the menu and um, I think that there are a few um, old school people that with any wedding, you've got to invite the, uh, the, the parents, the parents of friends. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that was that seemed to be like a bit of a compromise at some level. But, you know, when we're looking at the oceans at the moment, perhaps it's not the best compromise. Um, but, yeah, just from a carbon perspective, everything has to be considered. Um, but look like, you know, the, the onus, putting the onus on the individual is something that, it is is a really really tricky thing to navigate at this moment we all know that we need everyone from governments businesses and individuals to 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 make action happen but you know if you as you just mentioned like if you go to an event and the food is really good but it isn't meat people like it like people buy what's in front of them um from a supermarket you know it, p- people go out to restaurants and they eat what's on the menu what's in front of them you, you, you wouldn't go to a, uh, a restaurant and have a menu and, and then basically say oh do you, do you reckon you can serve me x y and z it doesn't work like that people us human beings we buy what's in front of us so i think it's a huge it's of huge importance that is it's business and government that mm. really change the game at this stage um and, and you know by heavily taxing things by uh, you know the opportunities of businesses becoming, um, uh, you know, real um, leaders in their industry through competitive advantage of doing things differently. Um, look at the kind of Oatleys of the world, the, the Tonyses of the world. Like, like Tonys cost like one pound fifty to two pounds more expensive than a a Nestle chocolate bar. Like, but people buy it because they bought into the ethos, they bought into the brand, and and ultimately, you know although they've got a, a mission of 100% slave-free chocolate, um, the fact is that it tastes really good. <laughs> and the fact the fact is that the branding is unique and different. And so people buy into that. Like the sustainability thing is just the given, like, but we do need these brands to lead the way. And it's it's really, it's really great to see that creativity is at the core of that, that change, you know? That is, it's, it's great that you just said that. My, this the first half of this conversation well actually i think it's going to be the whole conversation if i'm honest there's two core, <laughs> there's two core pillars that i want to talk about one is the planet and the other is creativity and i was going to jump into creativity here but i'm not i'm going to hold fire on that and i'm going to go straight to planet and just to echo what you said i think our relationship with food and in particular animals is a whole incredible series of conversations there that i hopefully will have at some point um but actually i'm going to just steer this towards a certain question and i want to give you a little bit of um bio behind this question so just over a year ago i think it was i had a conversation with tom tapper from nice and serious and i had this (laughs) and it was yeah it was great and it really inspiring conversation 
Um, and th- I asked a question to him and I thought it was a good question. And when I got to the end of the question, I realized how insane the question was. It was such <laughs> a big, audacious, crazy question. And I instantly regretted it once I asked this question. But he came back with an answer that basically almost changed my life in what he said. Mm. He came up with a, such a great answer that I'd never really kind of focused on. And because it was such a great answer, I'm going to ask the question again to you. Just <laughs> <laughs> to strap yourself in because it's a big one. Right. So out of all the most challenging areas of our life, climate and environment, what do you think is the single most important global challenge that needs communicating to the UK population? Wow. Mm. So first of all, Tom Tapper is a complete and utter legend, um, a, a, like genuine idol. Um, he is he is and has been shaping the communication industry in the UK and and beyond for a lot longer than myself and um yeah nice and serious's work is is brilliant my favorite um case study and piece of content is is by them um one sweet world ben and jerry's created by nice and serious and um yeah he's a brilliant person so huge huge vibes to tom and i will definitely not be able to answer that as articulately as he would but the interesting thing is the question that you were saying, if you're doing it on a global perspective, I would answer it differently to the UK perspective. And on a global perspective, I would be talking about education and um, I would be talking about us really connecting the dots between us, ultimately, um, you know, showing that there is a better way for us to live our lives but it, it leads to us making some choices. Um, and that only really comes from education on a young perspective. Um, when it comes to the UK perspective, I do think that the, there is <laughs> that there is something that I heard recently, which is that, like, don't vote with your dollar. Like, vote with your vote. Um, because you know, ultimately we're in the most economic wavy times right now. And yes, for every purchase of Tony's, you're not purchasing to Nestle and therefore you're driving that industry into a direction, but it, it, it takes humans and individuals, their money and their individual choice to make shit happen. For me, it, it would be the fact that we all have a voice and they work for us politicians and with enough pressure and with enough inspiration governments are the ones that can make that mass change happen so damn quickly and for me like that vote is so important but it's also so obvious and we've been trying to do it for like ever since politics was you know modern is, is politics modern? Probably not. It's fucking outdated, isn't it? But modern politics, where the vote has been, you know, at some level equal, it, it's the obvious choice. Um, and I just have so little hope in politics and governments at the moment that that seems to be something that almost is being brushed under the table. It's a laughing it's a, just a complete and utter joke at the moment, isn't it? Uh, people were saying that it couldn't get worse a month ago and then look at last month. <laughs> Wild. Um, and then you've got businesses. Us really cool little small organisations, those huge conglomerate organisations, the the middle ground, often the, the unsung heroes, the startup entrepreneurs, the people with the dream and a vision. That to me is where change happens. But in terms of the single most important thing that could be communicated to businesses, I think the fact is, is that like, there is no such thing as perfect. And so for striving for perfect, people don't tend to act. And 
people are waiting for that silver bullet. They're waiting for that next innovation, which is cheaper. They're waiting for the fact that, oh, if I wait a year, um, you know, there might be a, a newer, more advanced model of, of something that I'll invest in then. But if you take the fact that you're not striving for perfection, you're striving for continuous improvement. And, and, and that is something that's deeply ingrained in business and communicated in a way which is like, okay, you don't have to do things completely uniquely. You don't have to reinvent the world every single time for competitive advantage. You just need to do the things that in front of us. If we all did that, mass change would happen. Mm. Um, and it really frustrates me that brands, especially in the communications world where everybody wants something different and everybody wants that new, really crazy Earth Day campaign that nobody's ever done before, but then they're not doing the the 50 other things that they could so easily be doing right now because they're striving for perfection and, and difference. If we all just accepted that we have to operate and, and operate differently very quickly and just do the things that are in front of us, then I think that's the biggest impact that we could have. You know, Joe, the, 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 I totally echo and agree with everything you're saying. What the, the two main areas that you pinpointed there in terms of the single most important challenge that we have, you know, broke it down to two, is our political system and the large conglomerate, you know, um, big or corporation, sorry, that, that, that basically dictate and rule and, and, and kind of have a, a large sway in what happens. Actually, if you boil that down, it's kind of inertia that's the problem. It's yeah. slow-moving systems and operations and light and kind of these these organizations that just don't move quick enough. And if you look at say the the political system, it's like an island that doesn't seem to be moving anywhere. And, and don't get me wrong, I don't want to. I know I, I've met people within politics that are doing some some really great things, although yeah, they struggle. Totally. But in terms of the infrastructure in which they sit in, it it seems to be stagnating and it doesn't seem to be moving, mm -hmm. and it's very old fashioned. And then if you think of like large businesses, they're like huge big oil tankers, pardon the pun, uh, and they take you know long time to move and turn into a new direction. So I, I do agree there. But do, but do they? But do they? Because we've seen that you know just just with things like you know COVID, we suddenly because it was like imminent danger to us personally and we had an emotional connection to the thing that was this ex existential threat we did something about it really quickly mm. no you're right no, and, and I, yeah covid did show us that things can change extremely quickly if you put your mind to it yep and if the governments put rules in place and take it really, really seriously and businesses, you know, I, I was literally speaking to um, one of the, the head of innovation at, at Rolls-Royce recently and overnight they put their whole research and development team into, you know, from from big, big kind of aviation and auto, uh, from big, uh, I guess, systems thinking within um aviation and mobility to solving covid because it's 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 basically the same thing but a completely different industry it's just process thinking there is a ability just to change very quickly if there's a threat but how about that how threat clear and present does it need to be for that rapid change and that's that's worrying isn't it because it's it's almost like you know someone needs to have a heart attack to lose weight or someone needs to have a lung transplant yeah. to stop smoking when when is that point when we go oh actually yeah maybe this is a a big problem and maybe we need to do it what what kind of massive global catastrophe or national catastrophe do we need to have to then go mm, yeah maybe we need to change and that's slightly worrying as well i, I mate totally it's is scary but us human beings are pretty simple but very complex <laughs> beings. Um, I'm really interested to know what Tom's answer was. Okay, Tom, Tom's answer was consumerism. Yeah, he 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 he. The way he discussed it, and and my, my thought process after the conversation was that everything basically stems back to consumerism. Everything, everything in terms of like the the big global challenges, and if we can tackle consumerism, 
then we've got a fighting chance. So my, my question further ahead of this conversation, but I'll, I'll nip to it now, is the, I, I do a lot of work with scientists, a lot of work with universities, a lot of work with research projects. And I had a really interesting conversation with an academic the other day. And he said that all the conversa- all the exciting conversations that we're having about climate change often stems around science and technology, that this is incredible science and technology that's being developed. That, that that we have now the answers we've got the answers to mm-hmm. solve climate change but the the area that we don't focus on is the social sciences it's the behavior it's the society yeah. it's the societal injustices it's the community breakdown and the community building we don't do the near enough work in the research in those areas because that ultimately will drive change and he said the, the biggest problem that we have in the UK right now is that when people are worried about money and there's poverty and there's energy poverty, people stop thinking about climate and they stop thinking about their environment. And there's an, there's, a, there's actual graphs to show that when we're struggling for money, people it goes lower down on people's gender totally. and people's things. So if we can tackle poverty and if we can tackle social injustice and social divide then more people will then care about the climate and the mm. environment and then then so then when he phrased it and reframed it in that way i thought ah okay you know there's there's some there's a lot of deep work to mm. be done here there's a lot of deep work to be done in the trenches in the dirt and the bullets to get people in a better place physically mentally spiritually economically to then tackle the biggest problem which is climate and that just opened up a whole can of worms in my head because because as seed we focus so much on tech we because mm-hmm. we work with research projects uh, yesterday i was at kill university understanding about smart energy technology and about smart networks and energy distribution and how the uh, and bat- new battery technology and I left going wow you know we're saved we're saved but then I only have to walk down my local high street or got on the train and realized we're fucked you know what I mean in in, in the space of about 20 minutes yeah and yeah and I thought there, there's got to be bridging here in terms of our communications and and I, and I think now actually if I'm totally honest the deep work now is with with local communities with young people with um you know you know with people that are on low income i think that's for climate change now i i feel that that's where the work needs to be done Mm, yeah it's it's really interesting isn't it i mean like look there was um a stat that i I love from a couple of years ago um and i'm hoping that it's changed um but i haven't seen an updated uh, piece of research but the stat the year before COP26 was that 80% of climate communications just goes to 20% of people. Like we are in an echo chamber and it's so easy to go to conferences and to be speaking to the same people in the same circles and say, oh, there's all of these things that exist that are going to change the world. But like as soon as you walk out of that conference hall or that meeting, it's just like, oh my God, right, I'm now back into this crazy reality which is that we live in this unbelievably huge complex world and system and again you know it's governments and businesses big big businesses which will change the way on on, on that journey it is I mean, it, it's crazy isn't it i i think we've just gone super super deep which i love wasn't expecting that um it was always gonna happen mate i love it yeah i can't wait there's many more conversations to be had as well which is epic um but you know like the impact that let, let's just let's be like like totally frank we live in a system right now like these big organizations aren't going to be going away capitalism isn't going to just change overnight um we live in a kind of cycle of consumption and consumerism and the fact is is that you know we need these big organizations which are ultimately running and directing consumption more than any other organization. Like we, we can't just rely on the green pieces of the world to come in and, and shake stuff up. Like 
we we need the Nestle's, the McDonald's, the the Cokes to change. And it's really tricky, isn't it? Because like on one side, we literally just see that Coke and COP26, you know, Coke, the Coca-Cola enterprise is sponsoring COP27, sorry. Fucked. <laughs> sorry if I can't swear. No, but... so I've, I've, I've already broken that rule, so it's okay, fine. I'll just cool. you're all right. Swear away. Totally, right? Like so bad. Yet on the other side of me over here i'm like well actually like maybe it's a good thing but firstly the fact they've got loads and loads of cash that they can then hopefully through the the the, um conference of parties system enable genuine conversations to be had because they need money for those conversations to genuinely be had and all of that super skeptic over here i'm an internal optimist generally but like you know the fact is is that we need the Coca-Cola enterprises to change the most. The fact is that McDonald's, I celebrate the fact that they have the McPlant and they roll that out nationally or internationally because suddenly they see that um, the reviews of people eating their products are that, oh, that tastes just like meat. Um, oh, and it's also got X percent less of a carbon footprint. Small step, rolled out globally, very big impact. Um, and perhaps it's that start of the chain for rapid, hopefully rapid change. You have Nestle, who I think have just announced that this Christmas quality street, like the the plastic single use wrappers for those ridiculously small kind of like five second moments of of chocolate consumption wrapped in two different materials, um, a, a foiled paper with a then plastic outer sleeve with what maybe about 40 knowing knowing them this christmas probably about 30 because it's always getting smaller and smaller wrapped in wrapped in in single use plastic apparently this year it's going to be made out of a, a a specific wax paper like small but big impact because they're a huge organization where where we need these organizations to change the most though is the fact that they need to transparently put their hand up and say Hey, we're the problem. Like, we 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 are aware of the fact that all of these things here are complete facts because science has just shown that it's it's a problem. We're visually seeing the impact that climate change is happening. We know that it's it, it's human made. We know that humans consume our products because we're the biggest organizations in the world. Therefore, it's our responsibility to fix it. And this is what we're going to do about it. We're going to be super visual. Um, we're going to be super transparent. We're going to put our head above the, the parapet as an organization, as well as specific, you know, CEOs, MDs, people within organizations to take responsibility for that journey. And we need the media to accept the fact that these huge, huge shipping containers of organizations take time to shift, but they have got commitments, mainly because the government have put restrictions on them to actually change mm. and stop making so much profit stop focusing on growth at such a ridiculous rate um, that actually we need to focus on on regeneration of our existing business practice before we just continue to focus on growth because we've got enough money to do it like we have enough profit so like what do we do with this money now and shareholders need to be accepting the fact that actually they'll make more profit if they're in it for the long run because these organizations that change and they can build some credibility through that change are going to be the ones that survive in five years time it's, it's a great debate here isn't it top heavy ground up and we could swave between the two um but what it really comes down to in that conversation is supply and demand and mm. if the big corporations could supply something different then the demand would change well they wouldn't have a choice which is a great that's a great option that's option a option b is we we ask for different things and we give it with the other options we we vote with our feet like you said the vote go for the tony's chocolate go for the oatly pay that little bit more vote with our feet sacrifice in other areas perhaps with money wise and then then the companies will have to catch up because they're seeing that's where consumer demand's going but mm-hmm. i think this has got to be a, a this has to traverse between the two it's got to be a two-prong attack here and i think there's so many areas to look at here from 
from technology, from policy to consumer to behavior, they all need to be addressed. That they all have, they all work together. Like they work in synergy together. Um, mm. And I and I think we do that through great communication, and it brings it back down to the media, and it also brings it back to organisations being transparent and putting their hands up and saying this is what we're doing at the moment and we know it's wrong and this is what we want to do to change it uh and then going back to your original comment about the 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 international challenge is educating people why they should vote with their feet and why they should spend a little bit more money on that and buy less of that and not buy that at all um if we can do all those things then we're all right and we're saying it's easier said than done sometimes for sure i'm gonna so i'm gonna bring it back up i'm bringing it back up i love now. it <laughs> i'm gonna um i'm gonna chuck a question to you okay. which brands are you finding interesting at the moment brands that i'm finding interesting you know what i'm i'm going more the naomi klein unbranded way now mm. and i'm going no brand and and, and that's funny because the sign behind me says brand master flash and the reason why i'm going (laughs) no brand is and and i'll I'll go i'll tell you a little story now about someone that i'm about to work with who's really investing in technology in refill technology and he's hit a brick wall in refill technology so he's exploring loads of incredible ways i've got to be careful about what i can and can't tell you here but he's investing in loads of incredible ways to take refill consumer like the refill system and taking it to mass market through Mm -hmm. interesting pickup technology in cars drop off um, it says the way that you order refill, how you receive refill, kind of looking at all the money that the models from, say, Riverford, Dizzy, all these different models and turning it into a, a model that could be commercialized on a larger scale. And one of the funny things is one of the reasons why the individual brands are hesitant, because as soon as you take away the packaging, you remove the brand. And mm-hmm. once you remove the brand, then if you've got 40p cornflakes here and you've got one pound 20 cornflakes there with no branding or package on it which one are you going to go for mm. it demyths the whole sort of mm. the the importance of brand and the brands are worried and and so so that doesn't really answer your question at all actually because i i but i i, I, no, I think it's a totally interesting perspective i love it yeah and i and i and i but i'm interested in, in de-branding everything and yeah. actually then to start actually looking at food and looking at clothing in a completely new way that it is just a thing it's just mm. a thing it's not a, and then when it's just and then because it's just a thing then you can start to understand why you need it do you need it at all where's it come from is it grown in this country how far has it traveled those things those that's the brand then mm-hmm. not the colors not the logo okay. not the story it's literally mm-hmm. just the fundamental things and 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 then that becomes the brand and we rewrite brands about from from its environmental impact and its sustenance and its nutrition mm-hmm. and its travel and all these things that are important um that that's what I, I find an interesting area now i love that i love that i think that's totally interesting and and where what 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 um oh, i feel like i'm, I'm gonna interview you now uh <laughs> where where are people gonna find out more information about that then well the, the this the technology is is, a, is probably a few years away which is kind of scary because it needs to be here now um but i think if if people want to find out about that, I think the way to adopt it is to start thinking about going plastic free. So but you're going to get me going now. So obviously I'm going plastic free. Um, me and Natalie lead plastic free Leicester through surface against sewage. And we're trying to lead the way and fly the flag over here. And um, one of the things that we're like finding now is that we, we are de-branding, de-branding everything that we do. I'm no longer going to be brand master flash. I'm going to be, just master flash master uh, flash <laughs> which sounds a bit dodge actually maybe not master flash um so 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 like once so, so my my whole kind of shop now my whole my whole way that i shop is focused around market buying so I go to markets whether it be online markets or just in markets so it all starts there 
So your dairy, your veg, your fruit, all starts from there. And then you kind of, you have layers around that. So your perishables, your rice, your pastas or non-perishables, and then everything that fits in between. So if, if people can start making small steps to not think about supermarkets and shops for one minute and just think about traders and people and local distributors of produce, if you can just make slow incremental changes in those areas then as a layered approach you will eventually start to do other things hey. you know your hair and beauty your, your clothes on your back so basically what you put on your back and what you put in the mouth if you can just look at those two areas first and start off like de-branding things then actually you start to go down the, the rabbit hole and it's a really interesting journey, actually, to go down mm -hmm. that rabbit hole. Um, and then you start to think of brands as in, in different ways. Like you, you're definitely going to have those brands that you that are, that are sticky to you anyway, in terms of music or like skateboarding or your your cultural brands that you'll just you'll never let go of. Well, you think you'll never let go of. Um, and then you you just you just basically reframe this whole consumeristic way of living in a new way and then it's, it's like, like taking it's taking the blue pill i think if it is the blue pill, i can't remember <laughs> if it's the red pill or the blue pill to be honest you take a pill it's like boom wow well, i'm in a, I'm, I'm out of the matrix i'm out like i'm out now yeah. it's like i i uh i can't i can't um pretend to like have made this kind of analogy up because i saw it on a meme a few years ago but like I saw this thing which said, can you imagine if a brand now in 2022 uh, decided to sell milk in glass bottles unbranded um, using electric vehicles to drop it off at your doorstep every morning? Um, can you imagine how cool and edgy they would be? And it's like, that's that the milkman your relationship, your brand is the relationship with the milkman, right? And paying them at the end of the month in an unbranded, reusable glass bottle. And it, you don't even need to go to the shop. <laughs> but we don't even use that anymore. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I'm I'm so blessed the fact that I, I'm I'm living in the countryside and um I'm able to run past the cows where my milk comes from. Right. I always bore people this story, by the way, but uh, and they, as cow, you know, whether you think eat, drinking milk's right or wrong, I I run past these cows, and as cows go, these cows seem really happy. They're you know yeah. organic, grass fed, out in the rolling hills of Leicestershire, and the the farm, the dairy farm, has these machines, these glass you know, machines where you go in and fill your milk up. You go there, you take your glass yeah. bottle press the button fills it up you know and you walk yeah. past the cow and say thank you thank you for that. and i know i know that's un, probably unscalable uh, and and you know not everyone could do that so that's why i say yeah, i'm yeah. blessed and i'm grateful for that but um i will only buy milk from there now only buy milk from there. i, I would never well i would never buy a plastic bottle anyway unless i was forced to um but to be able to go plastic free and I don't want to say the word organic because I think the word organic is has got an identity crisis, but you know, it's a more natural way of drinking milk. You know, yeah. I'm really blessed. And, and if that can be scaled, then, then happy days. Well, I'm mindful that we're, we're, we're second question deep from about 20 questions. And I know that we're not going to get through them. However, so what we're going to, I'm going to kind of, I'm going to, um, I'm mindful of your time. So I'm going to do a bit of quick fire now because I, I think right. the audience would like to know more about you because I think you're super interesting. So yeah, I've got some quick fire questions now and then we'll end it on on creativity because I think we haven't really talked about creativity and I think it's important. So I always ask this question on my lives and, and anyone I speak to, but what's the most important thing that you've learned in the past 12 months? The... I will work for my team. The team don't work for me. Amazing. And that, that, do you know what? That, that's a great answer because it, it kind of answers the second one, but I'll answer it anyway. Who do you guide? Oh, wow. Um, I, 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 
that's a question that you're going to have to ask other people but i think i'm guiding myself if anything i'm going through a complete journey of self uh, understanding at the moment in terms of running business how i live my life personally the fact that continuous improvement is something that is is the thing that i'm looking for it's it is such a crazy time for any human being on this planet right now that within business and running a business specifically creating campaigns and strategy like nobody has the answer to everything and the fact that you're just kind of going through a journey and a lot of people that I speak to who are genuinely at the top of the game in their industries are still saying still fake it till I make it you know I'm just I'm, I'm building the plane whilst flying it and um so I think I'm I'm doing that and building a plane whilst flying it. And um, hopefully the plane will be electric and powered by um, uh, the sun. It, it, do you know what? That, that's why, you know, people that are architects, doctors, they call it a practice. And I think climate is the same. Mm. I think climate it, it is climate practice. Totally. We're, all, we're all stumbling through this thing called life. No one knows the answers. But I, I, my, my thing is, my two things are, is that every, every uh, grain of rice tips the balance. So when people mm -hmm. say, oh, is it enough? It's not going to do anything. Every grain of rice tips the balance. Totally. And if you can just be a little bit better than you were yesterday, then that's progression. That's progress for me. So Agreed. Totally. So, so, so you guide yourself. And I like that because by guiding yourself and, and being the best person you can be, then you're ultimately being the best ambassador for your company and leading from the front. So I'm going to flip that question. Who guides you? loads of people um and I, again you know i think really clients team are the obvious ones but in terms of if i was to pick one person right now who i think is just an unbelievable um person to be following it would be mr mark shaler uh, i think also based around leicestershire um and a brilliant visionary creative thinker and i just saw a talk from him last week at good fest and uh best public speaking gig i've ever seen and um yeah we all need a bit more hope in the world because with a bit of hope and positivity as i said i'm an eternal opti optimist and pretty positive guy anyway but we need to be reminded that sometimes that we are actually making a big change great and, and jay you answered the question earlier and you said what if and that leads me onto a book from what is to what if Rob Hopkins. Uh, that's it. And he My and, guy. and and I there's a lot of stuff that he talks about in that book that reminds me of you. That, <laughs> that you, there's a lot that you say about the imagination economy. What if yeah. we did this? What if they did that? You know, what if big business did do that? You know, and, and I think asking those questions, I think you, running a podcast is all about asking great questions. If you ask great yeah. questions, you get great answers. And I and I and I think the imagination economy is something that is going to get us out of this mess you know mm -hmm. what if we studied in a different way what if we took all the cars out of cities and the roads what if mm -hmm. we did that and actually then you kind of start to go down that kind of kzen approach of why and why should we do this and, and, and exploring and exercising out those scenarios in the future through the question of what if i mean all of that and above i love rob hopkins and um that book was a probably definitely would be a life-changing one for me mm, I, I even just the beginning of the book where he's imagining what the future could look like mm. and, and actually this will lead me quite nicely into to a question that i had here and what does what does your vision for the next decade look like if we could like you know have a crystal ball and you could look into the future what would you like to see in your life in, in your, not your lifetime but in your life and around you i, I love it i think it's such an uh, amazing um question because it allows me to sometimes remind myself on the vision that i set out a number of years ago and that, that vision statement that i had i think was as as simple as the fact that i wanted to live in a world where every brand and business on the planet prioritize people on the planet and if, if you think about that, like that's quite a lofty vision to, to, to have. But even in the time that I create that vision um, to now, it's like, whoa, there's some big waves that are happening 
you know, it's, it's sometimes hard to document those waves, but they're definitely happening. And I'll stick with that vision. Like I, I genuinely would love to see in the next decade, every single organization that you, you go into, you go onto their website, you go and apply for a job with them and they could be in absolutely any industry. You can see that they are genuinely aligning to specific frameworks. They are aligning to specific activations and their, um, their being is focused on a level of purpose rather than just a level of profit. And it's so totally hard to say that right now as we're in a cost of living crisis when, you know, the, the majority of our nation are in a, a genuine state right now of, of flux because of what's in their, their bank account and the amount of people on the breadline, the amount of people at food banks, like the amount of entrepreneurs who are working 16, 17 hours a day plus um to keep their business afloat let alone have to then also integrate a number of policies which take time expertise um and and money to 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 make happen but but then ultimately you know without that we're not gonna have a planet to live on that is habitable so it's a bit of a crazy trade-off right and it has Mm. to happen so that vision of every single brand prioritizing and that word prioritizing is the is the thing to circle um people on the planet that would be pretty cool yeah i'd like to get to the point where csr and esg aren't even words that we use anymore they're just no it's just normal like business is not it's normal to be have a sustainability team like that runs throughout throughout leadership and throughout from the top to the bottom um that everything is thought out from a, a carbon point of view in terms of when we're making decision-making processes and an and over profit, because I do agree, like you mentioned earlier, that there's, that there's, there's a, there's an amazing innovation in the green pound in terms of market transitions, in terms of doing things better than your competitors, but being a beacon for talent, like there is from a business, if we're going to look at it purely from business, there is, it's really financially sound to be looking into the green pound Mm -hmm. and and like you know totally like if you're a brand that you've got to be focusing on the the functionality you've got to be focusing on the 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 look the taste whatever the industry you're in focus on that that be that needs to be your your key priority but also just like prioritize people on the planet in, in in how you actually operate the organization to do that 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 specific product or, or services um needs and, and delivering that and it's 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 an exciting time like i am really optimistic about um the the the, the movement that's happening right now and we have to remind ourselves that it's a ridiculously big thing that we're we're dealing with um but you know seeing small organizations literally being the catalyst for the largest companies in the world changing um seeing a um a, a, a swedish schoolgirl striking outside of parliament and creating a full wave of activism and action is you, you know something that can happen very quickly and it can happen with huge huge impact and um there has to be hope in all of those elements yeah i love it well on that note i think we'll leave it there we'll have to do a part two <laughs> another day mate i could talk to you for hours i loved it Absolutely let's do that amazing. let's do yeah, that let's 100 let's get outside as well let's um let's let's totally uh get hours and hours of conversation in yeah i love it cool so to all the listeners josh tell, tell them where you'd like to find out more about you and viral where should they go yeah i'm on on all the interwebs um just search joss ford or enviral it's e-n-v-i-r-a-l i'm dyslexic so i'm happy that came out well um and uh yeah look i, I think that there is a, an amazing um an amazing space that we're fortunate enough to be in at the moment where collaboration not competition is a thing so don't just go and search for enviral go and search for the the, the nice and serious is of the world go and search for the few terrors of the world the the leaps of the world there's brilliant organizations small medium and big who are, are really changing the game right now so um yeah we're, we're feeling pretty blessed to be in an industry which is is, is genuinely making some change yeah great I love, I love your energy i love your imagination 
and yeah keep the faith man keep going doing what you're doing now. Love it. i'm a big fan thank you my guy thank you so as you can see or heard Joss is just ton, is just full of tons of positive energy. His approach to creativity, his approach to running and driving his agency forward, combined with his ethics and his beliefs and his absolute passion for the environment, for wildlife and wild spaces, it just comes through. And I think he's the epitome of Ikigai, which we talked about, which is the kind of Venn diagram about what you care about, what you love, what you're good at, and what the world needs. And he's found that sweet spot. And you can just tell by looking at his work and seeing the, the, the relationships that he has with his clients and the positive work and change that is happening because of him, his team, and environment. If you do want to know more about what he does and his work, I'll put links to him and his agency in all the show notes i'll leave it in the information about this video or the comments and you can go and check him out so as always thank you for tuning in if you could like or subscribe or share this content with anyone that you think will find it interesting please do that but as always be useful be kind and i'll see you all soon bye bye